0: Two hours in the books, one more to go. Rintu and Sermon, yes. Uh, Calgary, I know we always leave you after this hour, but Vancouver, we're going to cut it short a little bit today because the Blue Jays, they're wrapping up their four-game set with the Chicago White Sox. Hinjin, Ryu on the mountain tonight, Jamie, or this afternoon, I should say, against... Uh, I guess the uh, the ace for the White Sox in Rondone, so it should be a pretty. I'm guessing we're not expecting a lot of runs tonight at Rogers Center. However, for the Jays, pretty safe bet recently, anyways, right? (laughs) For the Jays lately, that's pretty much kind of how the storyline has gone. Uh, yep. They got the big win yesterday from Rick um, Robbie Ray. You know what? I tweeted out after he struck out that Tim Anderson for the 14th uh, batter, and we knew that his day was done. And I'm just thinking to myself, 1-1 ball game. I'm like, oh, please, God, please get him yeah. this win. Yeah, get some
1: runs. Get some runs like, for him.
0: Like, you wanted him to be – like, It's just like you don't want this – this uh appearance to go to waste like it's just and it, it's kind of it wouldn't as much as tough as it is to say it wouldn't be a surprise with the way that the jays are struggling lately to put runs in and, and granted it's not like they put up a ton of runs and one of them was walked in uh bases loaded walk but still you know you have to get the guys on base hey. and manufacture some runs any runs a good run at this point yeah, for the they, all, they all count
1: they all count and they're all desperately needed for the jays right now <laughs>
0: Yeah, we're going to speak with Shai Davidi coming up here momentarily. Also, obviously covering the Jays. We talked about vibes around this team after that initial 11-game homestand at Rogers Arena, which also coincided with the trade deadline, Jamie, back in early August. Then they had that disastrous road trip out west and in D.C., and then they come home and they lose, what, two of three from the Tigers, and now they're taking two of three of the White Sox. Is the vibe back to being a little bit more positive, you think, around this team? Like, how do you view them right now? No,
1: it's not. I mean, Robbie Ray's performance was fantastic last night, but minimum they have to win today as well before you can even start to – Feel a little bit more optimistic, right? I mean it's great, it's nice that you've taken two or three of the socks so far. That's that's good, but you gotta finish it off with the win today.
0: Yeah, you take three of four from the White Sox and then you've got the Tigers next in Detroit and then you come home to play uh, the Baltimore Orioles who I know they did win last night and they beat the uh, they beat the Angels Jamie but I mean right now they are one of the worst teams to have in recent memory to play baseball like it is awful right now I saw a tweet by I think it was Cousin Sal who uh, is on that Fox Bet Live show and he said something to the effect of uh, I love Shohei Otani but you cannot, ab- you absolutely cannot win an MVP award if you lose a game to the Orioles and break that winning
1: yeah, <laughs> that tough, tough but fair. Tough but fair. <laughs>
0: tough but fair. Uh, and with that right now, we're joined with Shai Davidi, Blue Jays reporter for Sportsnet. Shai, good morning. Uh, good afternoon to you. How are you doing today?
2: All right. How are you guys?
0: We're doing a wonderful Thank you. I uh, got to start with the conversation with Robbie Ray. 14 K's. No one in baseball has struck up more batters than the American League this series. And he's not just in the conversation for the Cy Young. He's, he's got to be in like, serious conversation right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, he, he keeps forcing the issue and keeps forcing him into it. Uh, obviously, you know, yesterday's outing was in, in many ways a piece to the stuff of, you know, what's been a fantastic season for him a a fantastic resurgence uh season for him and look i I think you know there was so much that he did in that outing that was you know not just important from that uh from a personal level but just how much that outing meant to his team you know him getting the final strikeout uh of, of tim anderson there in a key spot and making sure that that game didn't slip away and it you know a game the the Blue Jays very clearly need I mean I mean we can say that about every game from here on out but you know yesterday felt like a, a pretty important uh pretty important game for them uh and he just delivered another key effort and, you know even if he's uh, not recognized for the Cy Young award I mean there's certainly been a lot of Cy Young stuff from him all season long And you know last night uh, maybe exhibit A on that front
0: The reaction to Ray striking out Tim Anderson there for that 14th strikeout and to end that inning like it was it was pretty impressive he was super excited and we like that right like I heard uh, Buck and Tabby talking about it like we're always wanting more emotion from players in baseball it was awesome to see that kind of reaction.
2: You know it's funny because even you know we're go back four or five years ago you know there, there still would have been a lot of people frowning on that and saying you know that's not that's not what we want and you know, act like you've been there and done that before. But, you know, to me, that was a a sign of kind of how much you know, the really that game, that moment meant to this team. And, you know, Robbie Ray isn't the most excitable guy like that. And so for him to react that way, look, I think there was a a little bit of interplay between him and Tim Anderson during that Mm -hmm. at-bat. Tim Anderson was trying to get under his skin a little bit, and uh, Ray was pretty unflappable. And I think when he got that K, it was a little bit of go me right there, and Uh, He certainly deserved it. But, you know, it was a moment that I think really was would call for it. And even if you're more old school, would have justified it. Uh, But, you know, I really hope that the game is sort of moving beyond the conversation of is that appropriate or is it not? You know, guys should be able to do what they want as long as it's being respectful to your opponents. And there was certainly no disrespect to anyone there by Robbie Ray.
1: Well and it was a great matchup too because it was against Tim Anderson who is someone who does like to show that emotion and have that fun on the field so it it was a pretty cool moment and shy you know the interesting thing about Robbie Ray he's always had great stuff he's always had the ability to miss bats but control was really the issue holding him back how is he how has he been able to fix that so dramatically this year with the Blue Jays?
2: Well I mean there's there were signs of it last season towards the end what happened was last season, he went to a, a bit of a different delivery. He was trying to sort of uh, short arm the ball, something that a lot of pitchers have gone to and had success with. And it really messed him up. And then it took, you know, command issues that he'd had in recent years and really just exacerbated them and, and made them, uh, you know, really explode in a way where, you know, he was essentially walking the world. And, you know, he came here and he went back to his old delivery they streamlined his deliver, uh, streamed on some of the mechanics there uh, sort of minimize some of the movements. And, you know, where he landed, you know, they got to a, a point with his delivery where, you know, there wasn't, it's not a particularly complicated delivery. And even though he's a max effort guy, it's not really a, a very violent delivery either. It's relatively fluid. It's relatively smooth. Uh, and he's been able to maintain it. And so, you know, I think that, you know, you put that together with obviously the physical the physical training and base that you have to have in, in order to maintain velocity deep into a season, you know, those two pieces really came together for him. And, you know, not only has he been able to stay in the strike zone, he's been able to maintain his velocity uh, remarkably consistent level uh, throughout the year. Uh, and I think both of those things help explain why he's having the season that he's having.
1: And, you know, obviously, shy as much as Jays fans are loving watching Robbie Ray pitch this year, there's also a part of the conversation, which is, hey, he's a free agent coming up not too long from now. And all of a sudden, you're looking at a big, big contract that he's going to get in the fall, in the winter. What does that contract, what is that contract going to look like for Robbie Ray? And do you think the Jays will make a legitimate concerted effort at bringing him back?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm certain the Jays will make a a legitimate effort to try and sign him. I mean, you you would have had to fall in on your head, uh, you know, to not want to bring him back. But, you know, I think the, it's a really interesting question. It's one I've actually had, uh, I've been talking to multiple people about today. Uh, and to me, I think you obviously look at this season and you look at, you know, there's 2017 where it was an all start with the diamondbacks. And you're like, okay, well, I mean, that's it. That's in there. You know, this isn't sort of totally out of the blue. You could totally see Robbie Ray having this kind of season where I'm kind of struggling to find a comp for him is like, I'm not sure how you factor in what happened to him in 19 and 20 into the conversation, because, you know, you can't just say, all right, well, this is who he is. He's going to be this forever. Uh, because, you know, the other guy's in there too. And, you know, as recently as last year. And so how do you factor that into the contract? What's going to be the CBA situation, all that's going to be complicated. You know, I think, a, you know, a couple of very imperfect, but, sort of interesting comps for him are you know Zach wheeler and Patrick Corbin, uh, you know signed uh, five and six year deals for over a hundred million dollars in recent years you know I think those are two guys that you could probably frame the conversation on a little bit you know I think there's probably going to be you know uh, an opportunity for him to get a you know lower uh, sorry higher higher average annual value but lower term kind of deal as well uh, but I think he's going to really be a fascinating case in a lot of ways because, you know, it is a guy who's sort of right in the prime of his career right now where, you know, you're not necessarily buying a ton of decline on the free agent market. But there's going to be, I think, some difficulty and some divergence in how teams frame, you know, the success that he's had this year versus some of the inconsistencies in years past.
0: We're speaking with of Vidi, Blue Jays reporter for Sportsnet. Shy, you talked about Robbie Ray knowing and the Jays understanding the importance of getting that win yesterday. What can a win do in taking three of four against one of the best teams in the American League, the White Sox, this year, to just the positive mindset of the Jays going forward in the hopes of still trying to get that wild card spot?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of an interesting situation for them, right? It's like, yeah, basically it's going to be the same story every night, right? Because they're just in a situation where they just don't have a lot of margin for error, right? They, they know that they've got ground to make up and they've got to essentially win as many games as they possibly can. Um, and they, they just can't afford too many losses. So they have to try to spread those losses out as best they can. Uh, but, you know, I think for them, you know, another win today would be give them a little bit of good momentum. After what was a really tough week in which they went one and four against the Nationals and Tigers, and you know coming out of this game today, the Blue Jays have six in a row against the Tigers and the Baltimore Orioles. So you know it's a good spot for them to you know really make up some ground in the next in the next week. And so you know one more a series win against the White Sox. You know the White Sox have been cold lately. It's sort of a good time for the Blue Jays to be catching the White Sox. And you know if they can right themselves, that's going to help. But you know, I, again, we're going to say it all year long for, from here on out. Every game really matters. They need everyone. Uh, you know, they've sort of procrastinated on their path to you know the, the ninety to ninety two wins. It's probably going to take to get a wild card spot. Uh, and so, you know, they've got to they've got to get their hustle on and start making up for lost time
0: shy in this homestand it's been difficult to score some runs and we know what some of the numbers have been like with runners in scoring position they've scored 3 runs only twice on this homestand everything else has been less than that is there anything that you're seeing at the plate right now that points to that this could be going in the other direction
2: well i mean the i think we can separate them a little bit right because yeah the, the going one for 31 against the Tigers is, is pretty inexplicable with runners in scoring positions. I mean, that wasn't – that's not a good pitching staff. And, you know, the Blue Jays, you know, I don't, I, you almost, like, couldn't go one for 31 with runners in scoring position if you were trying. So that was just really, really weird. Uh, but against the White Sox, I mean, like, you know, this team is one of the best pitching teams in majors. You know, and they've got, they got Lance Lynn, Dylan Cease, uh, Lucas Giolito and today Carlos Rodon. You know, I mean, you know they're facing some some top flight starters. You know that bullpen is is disgusting in terms of how deep it is and the types of arms that they have. So, you know, I, I think that against the White Sox, you're seeing actually pretty good at bats, and you know you shouldn't be surprised kind of like what their what the output has been. But you know the the Detroit series was a head scratcher. I think for for the Blue Jays, yeah, you know, they, they felt understandably so, that they should have swept those games quite comfortably. And, you know, they eked out only one win. So, you know, I think they would definitely were not happy with where they were in the Detroit series. And I think they're a little bit more comfortable with what they look like at the plate right now.
1: Hey, Aisha, hey, I wanted to ask you about the other big pending free agent for the Blue Jays as well. Of course, Marcus Simeon, who's just had a fantastic year for them uh, at the plate, is... You know, where does he rank in their kind of off-season priorities list? Is it a okay, they can only go after one of Ray or Simeon or is there a chance that they they try to bring both guys back?
2: It's really interesting. You know, like if you're looking at sort of the Jays to-do list, right, and start thinking about it, it's like, well, you know, you want to you'd love to bring back Marcus Simeon, you'd love to bring back Robbie Ray, and, you know, you got to start thinking about an extension for Teoscar Hernandez. And you can start Kicking the ideas about um, you know for extensions for Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. around too, and then it's like, well, can you afford mega deals for all those five guys while you still have Springer, uh, you still have two more years of Kenjin Ryu, uh, and then still feel the competitive squad in and around them? So, you know, how the Blue Jays end up parceling that out, you know, I'm not 100 percent certain. Uh, clearly, they they need an infielder. Uh, they would love to get have one of Simeon's uh, capacity or capability, excuse me. Uh, but at the same time, you know this is a an incredible class of free agent shortstops. It, you know Corey Seager is going to be out there, uh, presumably Trevor Story, uh, Carlos Correa, uh, Javier ba- Javier Baez. So you know you've got uh, a really elite crop of infielders that's hitting the market at the same time. What does that do to the market? Uh, you know I think the Blue Jays have probably one more mega contract, one more springer type of contract in them right now for this current cycle. Um, and then they got to start figuring out how they're going to pay some of their own guys. So, you know, I think it's going to be probably tough for them to fit all those wants into, uh, into their plans this off season. But, you know, I think some of this may be driven by, you know, what the numbers are and, you know, we'll, what's possible for them in terms of who wants to get done and you know who's not going to get bid up by the by the market
0: hey shy thanks for taking some time i know a uh, very busy day for you so i really really appreciate it enjoy the game this afternoon
2: thanks you guys as well stay safe
0: awesome thanks yeah you too shy shy davidi blue jays uh and baseball columnist for sports jamie we didn't get an update on um unfortunately on george springer but i believe it's all trending very positive
1: yeah, I saw he was out there running the bases today for the Jays pregame. Looks like he was going at it pretty well. It doesn't sound like, you know, obviously it's not for today, but apparently for the weekend there's a good chance – that you do see him activated, whether it's tomorrow or Saturday or Sunday. So, mm-hmm. look, it's, it's fading hopes, very fading hopes <laughs> for the Blue Jays at this point to make a postseason push, but obviously you need a healthy, productive George Springer. We saw what he did last time. He came back, right, and, and yeah. just started hitting the cover off the ball, added an entirely new dimension to the lineup. They need him to come back and do something similar again in a bad way.
0: Yeah, and the question is, too, is, well, the hope is, too, is, like, it's contagious, right? Like, G- George gets back in the lineup, starts hitting the ball. The rest of these guys can as well. I understand the point that uh, Shy is making against this White Sox rotation and their pen. Like, the fact that you can roll Hendricks and Kimbrell out is just ridiculous on the back end. And, and again, they're going against Carlos Rodon today, who threw a no-hitter earlier <laughs> this year. So it's one of those things where we don't expect a lot of runs. But George Springer back in, just gives this team, and the the lineup just a different look and gives the pitchers on the opposition team a different look as well
1: yeah it absolutely does and I mean you're right the the pitching staff of the White Sox is just ridiculous there's no breaks right like with Lance Lynn Giolito Radone Cease it's that's that's a monster for top four for your starting pitchers as you said the bullpen is exceptional as well so understandable slightly why the Jays bats have been struggling a little bit and even after they move on, though, and play another team, you still need that boost that George Springer gives you at the top of the lineup.
0: Marcus and Gibson sent this in, and Jim, I want to get your thoughts on it, too, because we do know that the Jays, they they handed out the biggest contract they ever have in George Springer this past off season. Yep. I think when we looked at that, I was like, oh, okay, (laughs) good, but, like, I was also surprised that that happened, and Marcus says, with only a luxury tax in Major League Baseball, the Jays need to sign players like Ray for whatever it takes. They have to spend, like, every other team in their division. They're not wrong. Like, the Yankees, uh, they don't care about the luxury tax. Uh, The Red Sox generally don't care about the luxury tax either, and it's, it's one of those things where, you know, what kind of message do you also want to send to your young players that you were hoping to sign to pretty big deals to keep them with the team
1: yeah well it's as shy kind of outlined in his last answer there it's so tempting to just break the bank and bring both guys back and I understand that and again in a non-cap league yeah probably a team with, with deep pockets like the Blue Jays have you know you know in the form of our corporate overlords at Rogers Karen <laughs> like yeah they probably should be realistically when you also look at okay they probably want to resign sign Teoscar Hernandez if they can they eventually are going to want to do a big money extension for Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Maybe Bo Bichette is in that same boat as well all of a sudden that's a ton of money that you're going to commit to the future of this team so with George Springer already on the books does it make sense to go for both Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon and you just look at Kind of how their farm system shapes up with a lot of depth in the infield with Beau Bouchette already at shortstop. Marcus Simeon is going to ask to get paid like a shortstop on the open market because he's capable. Even though he's playing second base for the Jays, he's capable of playing shortstop. So... Are you going to pay a guy shortstop money to play second base for you long term? That's the question. Look, I would love to see Simeon and Ray back. I think Ray is a more realistic uh, possibility given their Mm -hmm. needs in the starting rotation and their needs in the infield. But I, I get the texter's point. Yeah, hey, there's no salary cap. Why not go out and break the bank a little bit?
0: Yeah, and, you know, you look at it, like, the partnership between Bo Bichette and uh, Simeon has been really good. And I think Simeon, been, Simeon has been really stabling influence. You know, we could talk about that bad throw to Vladdy, but, I mean, it's rare that he's going to do that in a game. It's just been a very good partnership. It's been great at the uh, at the plate as well. But when you look at what needs are for this team, yeah, I'd, I'd probably value Robbie Ray over Marcus Simeon. And the only hope is, is what Shy outlined, is the fact that, like... You know, it is pretty crowded in free agency when it comes to infielders uh, yep. this upcoming offseason. So maybe Marcus Simmons doesn't get as much as he would have in, in another year or d- demand as much as he would have. But yeah, I look at Robbie Ray in a rotation. I'm thinking if you can pay – if you can – bank up for him that's probably where I would go with this it's just that's just my personal opinion
1: yeah especially you look at like you know they were expecting Nate Pearson to be a major contributor in the rotation that is not going well at all he had another rough outing in Buffalo I believe for the uh, for the farm system recently so okay all of a sudden yeah Alec Manoa has come through you feel really good about him but all of a sudden you do have a few more question marks in the rotation I think it's going to be incumbent on the front office to do what it takes to get Ray back
0: like, are we, what are we thinking about Nick Pearson right now? I understand he's had a lot of injuries, right, Jamie? Like, it's just been really yeah. hard for him to find consistency and in injuries, like big injuries, too, and significant ones. And he, he was in for one inning, I think the seventh inning or something like that in uh, Buffalo yesterday. Yeah. And all intents and purposes, it was bad. Yep. <laughs> like, it did, yep. it did not go well, like you just said. Like, is this. A, He's young still, so I understand that. And if he can just get healthy and try and find some sort of consistency. But, I mean, the expectations for this kid were so huge.
1: They were sky high. And, look, this is something that young pitchers go through. It's really hard to develop as a pitcher. Injuries are almost unavoidable sometimes, it seems like. But for Nate Pearson, I mean, he's got to find a way to stay healthy and throw strikes, right, for an extended period of time. And until he does both of those things for an extended stretch, it's going to be really hard to count on him in any capacity for the Jays going forward. I know there was some hope that he could come up and help the bullpen late in this season, but you can't throw strikes right now. If you can't (sighs) throw strikes, you're not going to help the bullpen. You hear some of the people around the team talk about it and they say, this is the kind of thing that might require him to kind of rebuild his mechanics almost from the ground up. You don't like to hear it, but he is still young and there's still a possibility he contributes. You just can't really factor him into your plans. I I think at this point, anything you get from Nate Pearson down the road, it's kind of a bonus.
0: Yes, I think you are that you are dead on with that uh, that assessment right there, Jamie. One final segment to go for us today. We have a short show in the Vancouver market. Uh, we're going to take you up to the Blue Jays, White Sox first pitch just after noon in the uh, Pacific Time Zone. Should be a pretty fun one today. But around the corner, let's get back into your confidence in some of the in the Calgary Flames management group and the Vancouver Canucks management group, and we'll also take a look at some of the. Other Canadian teams as well. You're listening to Rintoul and Sermon. Jamie Dodd and Scott Rintoul. One final segment of Rintoul and Sermon this afternoon, uh, taking you up to the Blue Jays game, in, uh, at least in Vancouver, uh, at the top of the hour. Jamie, let's get back into this fan confidence survey that the Athletic did. Uh, Don push it, put it together. Uh, it's the sixth year that they're doing it. Uh, lots, of, uh, lots of respondents this year. Uh, Vancouver Canucks finished at 29th out of 32 teams. The Calgary Flames finished 24th out of 32 teams. I don't think we were surprised at all with any of these rankings but were there any that you kind of were like oh that's a little interesting to me.
1: Yeah Calgary and Vancouver didn't surprise me but I mean first of all we should point out you know these are rankings in your confidence in the front office right not yes, the team yes. as a whole not the coaching staff anything like that you're just looking at the front office's performance and and given where fans are at in both Calgary and Vancouver their respective rankings near the bottom of, of the league did not surprise me at all but there were some things Closer to the top that definitely jumped out to me. And, and I talked a little bit about this near the start of the show, right? With the Red Wings being at number three, <laughs> just behind kind of perennial cup contenders, Tampa Bay and Colorado. And I understand yeah. it. There's the reputation of Stevie Y and the job he did in Tampa Bay. And okay. I, I guess I get it. Even though I think it's ridiculous to put a team that's not even trying to win hockey games all the way up at number three. And there was a couple other ones that really stood out to me. So the LA Kings came in at number seven. Okay. Okay. A very similar situation to Detroit, right? Where all they're trying to do until this offseason, and to be fair, at least unlike Detroit, LA actually tried to get better this offseason, right? They went out, they got Victor Robertson, they got Philip Deneau. But still, to have a general manager in Rob Blake that really has zero track record of icing a competitive, legitimate team, or, or at least a, a contending team, at number seven is pretty baffling to me. And I understand, okay, you know, they've got a really nice farm system. They've made some good draft picks. That's awesome. But that is just, that's the easy part, right? That's the easy first steps of eventually building a legitimate contender. So it's nice that they've done that. But I look at some of the teams that they're ahead of, like the Bruins come in just after them at number eight. The Boston Bruins have been one of the model franchises in the NHL for the last decade, right? Making consistent runs in the playoffs, going to Stanley Cups, winning a Stanley Cup a decade ago. How on earth do you have more confidence in the LA Kings front office than the Boston Bruins? I I just don't, that does not make any sense to me at all. And another one I thought was really weird was the Golden Knights at 12, okay? And again, just comparing it to their divisional rival, the LA Kings at number seven. The Vegas Golden Knights came into the league, what, four years ago, completely, completely bamboozled the rest of the league in the expansion draft process, put a Stanley Cup contender on the ice from day one. They've gone out and made big splashy acquisitions since then to continue adding talent to the roster, but you have less confidence in that front office than in the LA Kings? And I get it. People will say, "Well, you know, not all of the Golden Knights' moves have worked, right?" And all of a sudden, they've got a big, a lot of big money on their on their cap sheet. Yeah, that's what happens when you're trying to win hockey games.
2: The LA Kings
1: haven't been trying to win hockey games. I don't, I don't know why we we're able, we were willing to cut these rebuilding teams such a pass and punish teams that are actually trying to win, right? That that's the whole point of the exercise of being an NHL team. What on earth has Rob Blake done to make you more confident in him? Then the front office like the Golden Knights. That again, a completely unprecedented accomplishment in NHL history. To come in as an expansion team and immediately be one of the premier teams in the league. Uh, no, that's not... I actually think it's more impressive to draft a couple people uh, in the top five. That's more impressive. I don't get that at all.
0: I like it. The LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights firing you up, too It's baffling. Like it. It's so
1: baffling to me. This is, why, this is why we need a separate ranking for rebuilding teams. Because they're doing something completely different than the actual good teams in the league. So if you want to say, okay, here's who's doing the best rebuilding job, and it's the Red Wings and the Kings, that's fine. But come on, you have more confidence in the Kings' front office? They haven't had to make a single tough decision in their tenure there than the Vegas Golden Knights? No way.
0: Okay, so it is it is important to just put into context to what the fan base's opinion is and what the public opinion is. Because you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, let's just look at it. Public opinion in all the categories is higher basically in almost every single one of them than the fan base opinion, right, Jamie? I think that comes down to expectations with this team. You look at what... Um, and it's hard to take the bias out of what the expectations team is and take that out of how you're ranking the management, right? Like when you look at the Vegas Golden Knights, their expectation is to win the Stanley Cup, correct? Yeah. So the fan base is going to say, well, this management group has not put together a team. We have not achieved the goal that we want. And so therefore, I don't have as much confidence in the management group because that is our goal. LA and Detroit. It may be one of those things where I completely think Detroit, Jamie, is just based on reputation alone. Yep, 100%. It is not based on any of the moves that Stevie Y has done. It's basically been based on, and like you said, they're not trying to win games. It's because he's had the patience to not make any moves. And so they can draft and develop the way that... You know, Stevie Y is preaching to the Red Wings fans. And again, around the league, his reputation comes with uh, building a Stanley Cup contending team in Tampa Bay. So that's we could probably take Detroit out just because it is that one word reputation with Stevie Y. With the L.A. Kings, with Rod Blake, I completely understand where you're coming from and comparing what Vegas has had to do versus what L.A. has done, which has basically been done nothing. But I think this fan base likes the fact that Rod Blake and has confidence that they did rebuild. OK, like he sold them. to a po- I mean, it's hard to rebuild when you have an Andre Kopitar on your team and you've got some Stanley Cup Drew, Drew Doughty, Doughty yep. on your team. But, you know, it, one, it's an American market, too. So the fan base's expectations are probably not anywhere what you're going to see with the Canadian markets. And so they might not be as critical as Rob Blake. But he did make some moves this offseason and didn't sell away any of their um, – any of their draft picks that they did get and their prospects. Like, they've got the Quinton Byfields, the Anderson Dolans of the world, uh, Gabe Villardi, Like, he kept all those guys and added to the team. Um, and I think it just comes with, okay, the expectations are for L.A. You know, like, Rob Blake made some nice moves, but we're not going to be anywhere in the Stanley Cup continued team. I think it just all comes down to expectations from the fan base. And you Vegas is holding it against Kalen McCrimmon because they haven't won the Stanley Cup.
1: It's just if I was an NHL executive or someone in a front office hoping to get a general manager job... The lesson from this poll, from this, this poll of fan confidence is as soon as you get the job, make your team as bad as possible and tell (laughs) fans that it's all going to work out in five years and they'll love you and they'll have this enduring confidence in you because you're not actually, you're setting the standard so incredibly low that you can't help but clear it. I I just don't get why we're, we're willing to reward teams that voluntarily hold themselves to a lower standard and punish teams that are actually trying to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Vegas hasn't won the cup. Guess what? Only one team wins the cup every year. It's really, really, really hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do. I I think punishing them for actually going out and taking big swings, it just makes no sense to me.
0: I will say they got a very poor score around the board for draft and develop, but that's totally fine because, like you said, they're not really in the mode for drafting and developing right now. They are in the mode for win now. I got to look at the Canadian teams, though, because this one really struck out to me. The Winnipeg Jets are ranked six overall. And all the other Canadian teams, Montreal 17th, Toronto 18th, Ottawa 21st, Calgary 24th, Edmonton 28th, and Vancouver 29th. Like they are in the bottom half of the league, but the Winnipeg Jets fan base, and like if you want to separate it between public and opinion and fan base, Jamie, like their fans are all in. They are all in on what Kevin Sheveldayoff has done at least this offseason, and maybe it is. They just, they just hold him in such a high regard uh, for, I don't know past accomplishments or moves he did make and didn't make this, you know, in his tenure with the Winnipeg Jets, Jamie, but like almost every category, four of the six categories are in the four range, like 80% range of where you view confidence in this management group. For me, when you look at the scrutiny of the other Canadian teams, I was actually completely shocked that it was this high in Manitoba.
1: Yeah, I was, I was very surprised as well because I think there's plenty of holes on the roster that you could point at there in Winnipeg. And we actually even had someone text in on the Calgary side of things saying, hey, actually, you know, I really like the job that Shovel Dayoff has done in Winnipeg. I don't think it's a terrible job. I'm a little surprised to have it all the way up, you know, near the top five. I, I like some of the moves he made on the blue line this this offseason, bringing in Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon. But you could also point out that, again, you know, that's addressing a very flawed situation on their defense that he helped create. So, okay, (laughs) it's good that you're addressing it, but also how much credit do you really get for that? That's definitely one of them that jumped out for me. Because, again, as you said, we know how much intensity and how much scrutiny there always is in a Canadian market. And that's why I think most of the other Canadian teams come a lot farther down the rankings. Even a team like Montreal, who just made this run. Uh, to the Stanley Cup Final, I I don't know exactly what it is that Jets fans are seeing in Kevin Chevaldeff. I'm not saying he's been a terrible GM by any stretch, but to have him all the way up that high in the rankings is surprising to me.
0: Like, 80% in four of the categories is huge. Free agency is where he's pretty low at 2.9. Trading, uh, still ninth actually. (laughs) It's just just not in the uh, four-point range. But maybe it's the fact that, Jamie, I I don't know. I haven't talked to a lot of Jets fans. I was just back in Winnipeg, but... Excuse me. I um, didn't really talk to them what they thought about this past season, but I have the feeling a lot of fans go, if we had just had Mark Scheifele, that en- entire series is completely different against the uh, the Montreal Canadiens, right? Like, I, I honestly think that that's probably the thinking. So if you're looking at that and saying we had a team that could have gone where Montreal went, but we lost our best player, in say And if you look, if you're looking at it in that lens, you know, you've got the talent. Up front, uh, we talked about how many times, Jamie, during the season, like this team is built for the playoffs, especially with their forward lines, like their depth, they can uh, spread the scoring out. They've got a Vesna caliber goaltender. It's just this defense that is the weakness for this team. And he addressed the weakness for this team. So it, maybe it's the looking at it as, yeah, he did a pretty good job because he didn't lose any of his big players. He upgraded a position of weakness. And going forward, I mean, the expectation is, is this team is going to succeed again on the ice next season.
1: I mean, I think the other good lesson here is it really pays to have an elite goalie if you're a general manager, <laughs> because Connor Hellebuck, I think, has papered over a lot of flaws in other places in the roster for Winnipeg. And I, I don't really buy this whole idea. Oh, they're a they're a playoff juggernaut just waiting uh, for the playoffs to roll around. I don't know. They can they remind me a little bit of Montreal, actually, where, yeah, they're they're kind of a mediocre regular season team. They have the goaltending that they can get hot in the playoffs. But, okay, like there's lots of teams that can say that.
0: Uh, Just a couple of quotes from the Athletic article from just fans of the Jets. Chevy's done a great job. Winnipeg is a small market, has obstacles that most other teams do not face. It's not a desirable destination to play, but the culture created from the top to bottom in the Jets organization has helped immensely. Uh, Drafting has been quite strong. This, 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 this. Textures or this uh, writer says the Nate Schmidt Contract is keeping me from giving full marks to Cap management, but hopefully he proves His worth for the money and Love the moves this offseason So I think it's just all roses around the Winnipeg Apparently. Jets organization right now uh, It's not all roses around Another organization in the Province to our Right, Jamie uh, The Edmonton Oilers took a beating In this fan confidence poll, but Ken Holland Did, sorry, uh, not the Oilers themselves But Ken Holland did, uh, they've dropped Diary 28th just one spot ahead of the Vancouver Canucks. And I think this points to a ton of moves made by Ken Holland that I think he was trying to grasp at straws with a lot of things that he did this season. Duncan Keith trade, for example. I would much rather, as an Oilers fan, have Adam Morrison on this roster once again for yeah. the, sal- the contract that he signed with the Seattle Kraken be, <laughs> than Duncan Keith. The Zach Hyman deal, I don't know. I mean, it's in the short term, I think initially it's going to help, but this that move going forward, like year seven of that, give me a break.
1: Yeah, it's it was a tough offseason for Ken Holland, and you're right. The Duncan Keith one is the one that stands out most as just, man, really? Like, what are you doing? Is that really what this team needs? But that at least is short-term liability, right? the The, the bigger problem, I think, are the long-term liabilities. Like, As you said, a guy like Zach Hyman, right, signed for that much term with that kind of playing style, does not look to age particularly well. The Darnell Nurse contract, I think a lot of people have major questions about going long-term at that value for Darnell Nurse as well. Good player, but is he really going to live up to that contract? And I think what you're also seeing here is, you know, we were talking about the value of positive reputation and and boosting the Detroit Red Wings up this ranking because of Steve Reiserman and what he accomplished in Tampa Bay I think you're seeing the flip side where you look at okay like obviously Ken Holland had a storied career in Detroit and won a bunch of cups with them but you look at the end of his tenure with the Red Wings oh. and it was not particularly flattering right and you know when, when Stevie Y took over in Detroit he had to undo or, or try to undo a lot of what Ken Holland had left him there with the Red Wings so I think you're seeing okay yeah Ken Holland has this great reputation from the glory days of the Red Wings, but now we have the final stages of his career in Detroit and the first stages of his time in Edmonton, neither of which look particularly positive. And I think just that, that past reputation has faded away and now we're left with what he's done recently. It's not that attractive.
0: Yeah. when you look at, you you just mentioned the glory days of the Detroit Red Wings and when were they? They were in the nineties and the early two thousands, right? Mid two thousands. Yep. Yeah, mid two thousands. What's the majority of those things have in common? Not a salary cap. And when Ken Holland had to you know start making some some of his decisions after some of these star players started to retire, uh, just he wasn't finding the Henrik Zettenbergs, the Pavel Datsuks late in the round. And you could I don't know if like his his European scouting changed, Jamie, uh, in his tenure with Detroit Red Wings. But obviously he was finding a lot of value late in the rounds with some European players. And I I I was happy. The move was made at the time because I think I was going from uh, Peter Trelli and what he did to this organization. Uh, but I will say this too, when they brought in Peter Trelli, I was excited about it as well because of what he had built with the Boston Bruins. And now you look at the Ken Holland and I'm willing to give him, I guess, some sort of plan that he has in place. But for me, it just looks like he's just, I've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, more specifically Connor McDavid. How do I... Figure out a way to make this guy happy and maximize this year and next. And if that doesn't, if it doesn't um, plan out in the next year or two, then I'm gone anyways.
1: Yeah, it's been all about the short term. That's certainly how it seems for Ken Holland in Edmonton, right? Because as you say, he recognizes what he has up front—an incredible opportunity with two of the top centers in the league on your roster—and it's been all about, you know just trying to say okay how how can we get better this year right how can we make a playoff push this season rather than trying to think 3 or 4 or 5 years down the road the problem is it's not as if he's you know sold out the future to ice extremely competitive teams it's been selling out the future and then still not even being that great as a result so you're not getting the short term benefits that some other teams do you know i i was praising vegas earlier yeah vegas has put themselves in a difficult place down the road at least they're a legitimate cup contender, right? We don't, Edmonton has put themselves in a tough position down the road, but they're, they're not a legitimate cup contender even.
0: No, they are not. I mean, they are a playoff first round loss. That's basically what they are uh, right now. This text comes in from Rocket and Langley. I remember Ken Holland saying, "When Lindstrom retires from hockey, I should get out of Detroit as general manager." General manager, perhaps he should have. And this one uh, from Marcus and Gibbons. He says, "Final stages of his career in Edmonton. Even Jamie knows he's getting fired." Uh, Ken <laughs> Holland after next season. Yeah, it's 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 a tenuous position for Ken Holland because you know it's it's all about '97, and if he is not happy and he does not see I mean he's probably happy he's getting Zach Hyman on his wing he's I don't know if, what else he's probably happy about with this uh with what they did this off season Jamie but it just there's a lot more questions I think with the Oilers than fans and that fan base had hoped would have been after this past off season uh a couple more minutes here Jamie want to get to let's get a little bit of notes and quotes on what's coming up in the world of sports is there a rejoin is there a rejoiner there, Joel? If not, it's fine.
1: <laughs> Joel Joel's Joel's looking for more high quality drops that he can that he can play <laughs> right now, like he got in earlier in the show. Not
2: it's all uh, good, not, Joel not impressed with the Mr. Svechnikov drop. I got it, I got it
0: it's all good Joel a uh, little notes in quotes uh, the big game we've been talking we talked to Cami Granado about it Jamie women's world Canada U.S. three o'clock Pacific time four o'clock mountain time no uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin should be uh, I'm, I'm expecting just an incredible hockey game I'm super excited to watch this uh, also today Sorry, I'm really I'm really
1: excited as well Karen what a <laughs> treat in the middle of usually a pretty dead time in the hockey calendar to get a game of this magnitude in this rivalry I'm really excited
0: I thought I had to do a little Dan Schulman nope. and go, uh, I lost you there. <laughs> it's all good. But uh, I
1: I quit a couple minutes early. I was like, yeah, she's got it from here. It's only three or four more minutes. Whatever. Like, She'll be fine. Yeah,
0: we've got an hour less of a show today. What's, you know, three minutes extra less of a show today. Uh, baseball, Jason White songs. That's where we're going to take you next. Final before game set. Don't expect a lot of runs in this one. Carlos Rondon versus Hinjin Ryu, Jamie, I do think, I know you're. you still think that it's – it's such it's so far away for the for, or such a lofty dream now this uh, wildcard spot. But I just if you could take three of four from the White Sox, that might just do something for you mentally going forward.
1: It's got a chance. And yeah, yeah, I know they got they still got the games against the Orioles coming up. It can happen. I know everyone wants to write it off. It's still a possibility. Like teams get hot and go on runs in baseball all the time. It is a legitimate possibility. But yeah, you got to win tonight. And really, basically every game almost is going to feel like a must-win, right? As Shai Dividi told us earlier, they've already used all of their margin for error. They have no more margin for error left in this season. You have to get hot, and you have to stay hot. And the first part of getting hot is winning this game tonight, taking the series against the White Sox.
0: And in case you're curious, the New York Yankees open a... uh... Series in Oakland tonight. Of course, they have won eleven in a row. They did not play last night, which I guess is the only good news for the Toronto Blue Jays, because they gained half a game on them in the standings. Round one of the BMW Championship. We haven't talked about this, Jamie, but I know it's gonna be uh, a lots of eyes on it, especially on the weekend. Sam Burns right now. He's eight under through fourteen. Abraham Answer, six under through fourteen. John Roms up there with six under. It looks like there's some scores to be had so far at the BMW championship. Yeah, it
1: sounds like it sounds like it might be some low low rounds throughout today and, and into the weekend as well
0: well it's crazy because a lot of these golfers didn't know what to expect from this course right. we talked to J- jason sobel earlier in the week and first of all they've never played a pga tour event at this course uh cave valley and this is the first time since 1962 a tournament has been played in baltimore i, f- I find that very odd I just, that's uh, a long time I just... I find that odd. Uh, Corey Connors, one under through 15. He's not exactly finding the scores. Some people are. Mackenzie Hughes, he just teed off. He's one under through two. I got to say, where's Phil Mickelson? Because he came in and we had a, (laughs) there was a funny post on him, uh, from him earlier today. Jamie saying, look, I came in at number 70 and these are the top 70 golfers in the world. I'm dead last. I'm going to be hitting bombs, trying to find him here quickly. Good radio. I have that,
1: Uh, I uh, I have that clip if you want to throw to it. It's all
0: good. No, it's all good. Uh, he's 2-under through 10, so he's got to make a really big push to move up to the top 30 for Eastlake next week, Jamie, but it's, it's always fun to see Phil having fun out there on the golf course.
1: Yeah, he can have a laugh at his own expense now.
0: <laughs> you should mention, too, Vancouver Whitecaps are back in action tonight. They're playing Pacific FC in Lankford on the island. My only one question for you, Jamie, is Ryan Gold going to start in this one? Does he need to? Should you save him?
1: I would be surprised if he starts in, you know, look, I don't want to take anything away from the Canadian premier league, but I know the white caps are probably looking saying we should be able to get a result here without playing all of our best players. They're still trying to get gold up yeah. to match fitness. So I would be very, very surprised if he starts.
0: Canada also announced it's uh lineup roster for the World Cup qualifying that's coming up in September. Max Crapeau was listed to it. Uh, Cavallini as well, but he's going to remain in Vancouver. He's rehabbing that knee strain, and he will join the national team when he is medically cleared. That is the update from the Vancouver Whitecaps. Jamie, another show in the books. One more to go tomorrow. Thank you for today. It was wonderful as always. Lots of fun. Hockey talk. Maybe we can have some more uh, <laughs> hockey tomorrow with the... Uh... I know one listener or one texture sent in is like, why are you guys continuing speculating? Talk about Real sports maybe we'll speculate again tomorrow It
1: it must be his first time listening to sports Radio (laughs) Speculation what I'm Outraged how dare you (laughs)
0: Uh, that is uh, it for us today. Thank you so much to Joel Gaudette. You redeemed yourself, even if you missed that last drop. Uh, at the end there, back at Mission Control, Josh Elliott-Wolf, a wonderful show producing again today. Jamie Dodd, thanks again. Have a wonderful, great show. Uh, we're going to turn it over to a little Blue Jays baseball, a little afternoon baseball for you. It's the Blue Jays. It's the White Sox. You're listening to Sportsnet 650 and Sportsnet 960, the fans.